Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. College football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Bias, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. And welcome to Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. As always, bonjour, bonsoir, monsieur, mademoiselle. Je m'appelle Wendell Wallace. Wendell's World of Sports. Que pasa, mi amigos? Me llamo Wendell Wallace. Wendell's World of Sports. So glad that you could be with us. Konnichiwa, shalom, wassalam alaikum, namaste, good morning, good abend. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. Do me a favor, as always, download, subscribe, rate, review, most importantly, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. If you could do that, please go ahead and do that and make you and me Very, very happy. I want to start off, before I get into what I really want to start off with in discussing what's happening in the world of sports, I'm recording this on a Sunday evening, and I just want to give a shout out, want to give a special dedication to Carlos Alcaraz, the 2023 Wimbledon champion, a a five-set winner over Novak Djokovic. It took five hours to do so, 6-4 in the fifth. The only reason why I'm really bringing this up is because... Just want to uh, put it in those people's mind who watch the game of tennis. Is this now a point in time in history to where the last of the big three, when you speak about tennis being dominated, especially on the men's side, being dominated by three people, namely Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer, and now Novak Djokovic, has their reign of domination finally come to an end? Of course, Rafa has been injured. Roger retired. Novak, at 36 years old, still winning championships, still winning majors, still being ranked number one or number two in the world. But now the unprecedented run of dominance. I'm not saying that Djokovic can't win any more championships, even at the age of 36. He's still if not the best, still one of the two or three best players in the world playing playing men's tennis. But now, are we at a situation now, it's Alcarez's time to uh, be that guy, a guy who made it to the semifinals of the French Open, fell to Djokovic there, was got got the best of the nerves in terms of the cramping and everything, the inexperience, which led to the pummeling in which he received in four sets by Djokovic. This time... On grass, a surface really in which Alcaraz really wasn't comfortable with. A guy who came in, a guy who lost the first set six one. You thought, okay, well this is going to be, that's this is going to be a very easy route for uh, Djokovic. But no, Alcaraz showing maturity, showing experience, showing the lessons learned 
from the last time that uh, he met Djokovic in the final, uh, going on to make the adjustments, going on to keep the game at his tempo, going on to uh, do what he needed to do to uh, win his uh, most significant, even though he won, he won the U.S. Open last year, the most significant championship so far in his young career, beating a legend and still playing at the top of his game in Novak Djokovic. So before I get into what I want to speak about, again, I saw that this morning and I saw the final score and I saw the highlights and I watched some of the action before going to church. That's right, y'all, I go to church sometimes. So I wanted to go ahead and give a special dedication shout out to uh, Carlos Alcaraz, a guy who's, uh, like I said, 21 years old now in terms of the new generation, in terms of the new breed, who else is going to come with him uh, to write their own legacy, to write their own chapter, to write their own legend. Now that, again, Roger Federer has retired. Nadal is dealing with injuries and Djokovic still at the top of his game, but the, um, he's closer to the to the end than he is to the beginning. Which one of these young bucks that are playing tennis right now, headed by Alcaraz, is going to be the guy to start forging the era of their own? So we'll see what happens with that. In the program today, I want to start off with this here on Wendell's World of Sports. I want to get him to this Pat Fitzgerald situation, this hazing situation. Pat Fitzgerald, the coach of the Northwestern Wildcats football team, was fired. ESPN's uh, Pete Thamel was first to report the uh, Big Ten school's decision to fire the coach. Northwestern had already suspended Fitzgerald two weeks uh, following an investigation into hazing within the program. The school announced the suspension on Friday, explaining the punishment came following the completion of an independent investigation into allegations received after the end of the 2022 season. So exactly what led to Fitzgerald getting fired? Because now there's some situations where it's like, well, wait a minute, you did this investigation, you found out everything that you needed to find out, you fired, or excuse me, you um, put Fitzgerald on two-week suspension, then you received some of the backlash, then you received another call talking about that wasn't uh, sufficient enough, and then you went ahead and fired him. Now, what, what, what exactly led to the investigation, the decision to fight, to uh, uh, suspend him and then come back less than 72 hours to fire him. So on November 30th, just to uh, get to where we are right now, on November 30th, a Northwestern football player emailed Christina Miner, the school's uh, senior associate athletic director of compliance with the subject line Northwestern football hazing. In the email, which was obtained by ESPN, the player reported an extremely disturbing and vile hazing situation within the program. The player who has since left the school outlined the practice of quote-unquote running. Now, you might be asking exactly what is running. Running is a group of older players. Um, they restrain a younger player, often a freshman who had made a mistake on the field and engaged in sexualized behavior. If a player was selected for quote-unquote running, the player would be restrained by a group of 8 to 10 upperclassmen dressed in various purge-like masks who would then begin dry-humping the victim in a dark locker room. The player, said, the player said the tradition was especially common during training camp and around Thanksgiving and Christmas, which he said the team called Rumsgiving and Rumsmas. According to the former player, team members allegedly identified players for quote-unquote running by clapping their hands above their heads around that player. The practice, the player said, was known within the team as the Shrek clap. According to the player, Fitzgerald, 
repeatedly made the signal during practices when players, specifically freshmen, made a mistake. The player believed some players interpreted Fitzgerald making these signals as knowingly encouraging the hazing to continue. So this was a situation where first it was brought to the attention. Fitzgerald was like, I, I never knew this was going on and I never knew this was happening. And one of the reasons why he was fired under that narrative of Fitzgerald being ignorant of what was happening in the locker room in terms of hazing was, well, I didn't know. But as you know, it's always it's always interesting. I remember um, a long time ago when Pete, um, Pete Carroll, now Seattle Seahawks head coach in the NFL, was at the top of the mountain in terms of uh, college coaches when he was coaching USC and they were doing a story about him. This is when, you know, USC was, you know, in the midst of building a dynasty before they lost to a uh, Texas in the Rose Bowl. But they had a story about Pete Carroll and it was like, well, how does USC maintain his dominance? How does USC maintain his greatness? Why this Pete Carroll doing to have USC, the football program, at such a high level. And everybody was just, oh my goodness, Pete has his hands in everything. These players can't do anything. These players can't go anywhere. These players can't sneeze without Pete Carroll saying tight. These guys can't do anything because Pete has all of his tentacles. Pete has his hands and everything on, on the program. Right, that what makes him so great. He's just not this guy who's the absentee. He's not Bobby Bowden that, or Joe Paterno at the end of their coaching careers at Florida State and Penn State, respectively. This is a guy who's still active. This is a guy who still keeps tabs on his players. This is a guy who still is fully engaged in the program. So because of that, these USC football players, they know that they can't get away with anything. They know that they can't do anything wrong. They know that they can't misbehave. They know that they have to put in 100% effort every single day, in-season, off-season, training camp, spring practice. They, they know that they can't slack just a little because A, Pete is recruiting five-star athletes to replace them if they do slip. And even if they did try to slip, even if they did try to go to the other side, even if they did try to do these things, Pete Carroll would be right there to say, ha, not happening. Not on my watch. Not with my program. That that was the that was the um, the narrative when they did this story. Now fast forward a couple of years later when the Reggie Bush saga and everything went down and everything, then all of a sudden it was well I can't be everywhere at once. I mean what's going on here? I mean you know I can't control these guys when the season's over. I can't control these guys when they're not in my grasp. I can't control these guys when they're not in my earshot or eyeshot. What what can I do? I'm just one guy. I can't do any of these things. So it's interesting when everything is going great, you're everywhere at once. And when everything goes badly or something happens to your program that tarnishes your program, that puts a bad spot in your program, all of a sudden now you feign ignorance and like, well, I didn't know. I had no idea. Bullshit. Sorry. Hey, man, I know there's a lot of um, players on your football team, man. And look, we're not talking about missing class. We're not talking about some of the small stuff that might happen um, for players who are student athletes that happens to the everyday of uh, students. But when you're speaking about some nonsense like this, when you're speaking about this type of hazing, when you're speaking about this type of behavior, and you're speaking about this type of culture just based on its surface, if we even then, even, uh, then go with the program or go with the notion or go with your uh, your excuse of, I didn't know it was happening, it was happening in your locker room.
This wasn't happening off campus. This wasn't happening off season. This was happening in your locker room during the season. Again, this was before you even mentioned the fact that you didn't know what was going on. Now, according to the reports, um, it's showing that Pat Fitzgerald is a liar. If it is true, if it is true that he understood what the Shrek clap or whatever meant, he is a liar to say, oh, I didn't know what was happening. So what did you think? And then have the players interpret, oh, well, if he's up there doing the same thing we're doing, we're going to go on the assumption that he knows what we're doing. And you don't think that that was translated in terms of this is what we're doing and he's going to feign ignorance on this? Nah, man, he's got to go. He, he's got to go inexcusable, intolerable, cannot happen. Man, this is 2023, man. This is the 21st century. I know that we do not live in a, in a civilized society. I love when people say, we can't, we can't do this, or we can't act that way, or we can't act toward our fellow man like that because we live in a civilized society, right? These jackballs, these, these, these jackasses who want to sit there, these Bible-thumping losers who want to sit there and pound the Bible and, and, and pray to the cross and pray to Jesus and Muhammad or whatever and sit there and talk about, oh, man, we can't, we can't execute people. We're a civilized society. We can't lower ourselves to do that. We can't lower ourselves to uh, execute rapists and child molesters and child murderers and, and, and women who, and men who murder and beat and kill women. We, we can't do that. We live in a civilized society, but yet and still, we think that this is encouraged. We, for, for some reason, this is okay. This quote-unquote team bonding type of ritual, this is okay. Things similar to this is okay. Thank goodness in some instances, it's not. For some reason, this stuff is still going on, and we still have coaches. We still have players who are still defending this nonsense. I was listening to the uh, Patch Jones show with Eric G a couple of days ago and speaking about this, and I was listening to a couple, couple of other podcasts uh, regarding this, and they were talking about college coaches now being more nervous than ever because of something like this went down. Like, like somehow, some way, the person that reported this, who was part of the hazing or was the recipient of uh, th this hazing, is, is somehow the bad guy. So I'm being, I'm being bullied, and that's what it is. It's not hazing, it's hazing, it's being bullied. I'm, I'm being bullied like this. I'm going to report it, and somehow, someway, I'm the bad guy? Somehow, someway, a college coach, a grown man, an adult, and a person who I'm giving my son to you to see that you can make the, that you can help in this man becoming, or this young lad becoming a respectable, uh, positive uh, citizen to our community, somehow, someway, that what's going on with this is acceptable, that somehow, someway, this happening to him, and then him um, uh, uh, phoning this in, or him uh, bringing light to the situation is somehow weak, is somehow in the wrong? This is the type of society that we're living in that you want to call civilized? So it was, uh, <laughs> I just see that, and I'm just like, really? Really? So, um... That's just not all. Three ex-players made allegations of Fitzgerald cultivating an atmosphere of racism among, among the program. Ramon Diaz Jr., a Latino offensive lineman for Northwestern from 2005 to 2008, told The Daily that he and fellow teammates of color didn't feel comfortable being anything other than white. Now, what Diaz said, he says, I didn't feel like I could be anything other than white. We never felt like we could be ourselves. We had to 
fit in by being white or acting white or laughing at our own people. Diaz says he was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder at the conclusion of his collegiate career. Uh, career. He says he was forced to shave Cinco de Mayo into his hair during a freshman tradition and was subject to multiple racist remarks from coaches and players. Another player, this one anonymous, alleged Fitzgerald would ask black players and coaches to alter their hairstyles, including dreadlocks, to fit the quote-unquote wildcat way. He says, quote, if you were not in line with the Wildcat way, Coach Fitz or any one of the coaches would be quick to say, yeah, check your uh, scholarship. He also said that he heard a player tell a black teammate to show him how monkeys act. Oh, good Lord, have mercy. Now, I, I know in the society, I know in the um, community or in the society, in the country that we live in right now, that there's a really good number of people who really believe unless you're being called a nigger or repeatedly, or there's a cross burning on the front of your housing project, or if you're being lynched or something that resembles something from the 1910s or the 1960s from Selma, Alabama or Mississippi or anything like that, 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 that really racism doesn't exist. That really is just really in black people's mind because, you know, white folks using their privilege sometimes can show their stupidity and their ignorance and their uh, lack of understanding in trying to educate black people exactly what is racism. The fact that you should not be um, you should not be offended by this, that this type of racist activity really should not offend you. So so because of. Uh, white folks' ignorance uh, in this situation that, yeah, uh, when a situation like this comes up, I can see many people out there rolling their eyes, many people from the white community basically rolling their eyes, and other communities, and, and, and some even from our community, rolling their eyes about, oh, here we go, and then, and then trying to make excuses. For some of this stuff. Well, what's the big deal um, if some coach who's white asks you to shave Cinco de Mayo in your head? He's being funny. It's a joke. No big deal. There's no racist overtones in that whatsoever. You're a Hispanic, aren't you? What's the big deal? Um, can't be wearing dreadlocks. Well, I don't like dreadlocks. Dreadlocks are nasty. Dreadlocks are this, that, and the other. I don't blame them. Dreadlocks don't make you look responsible. Dreadlocks are not something that's acceptable in this society. So you, you need to start the practice of uh, changing your hairstyle that way so you could be more, um, so you could be more uh, of what's in tune of what we feel is acceptable in this society. So I, I, I can understand that. It has nothing has nothing to do with your race. I'm quite sure of the person wearing dreadlocks were white that they would ask them to, put, to, to cut their hair also. Um, the fact that they act like a monkey, okay, you can't take a joke. I would just clowning around you guys call each other niggers all the time i don't know what the big deal why why is it that black people can say niggers and we can't i don't understand that too so so white folks devalue themselves in 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 their ignorance and to go to that level of thinking and to go that level of asking questions and it, and it comes from ignorance it comes from a lack of being around folks from our community and having serious conversations to educate them amongst this um topic but you know wh whenever something like that happens um especially when it comes from the black players it's, that is not gonna that would not be the reason why Fitzgerald would be uh fired uh, and, and, and again, it just goes more 
to our community. It just goes more to our society in the fact that basically um, the type of hazing that you do, if it's something that might cause physical damage, that's much greater than any type of thing which cause which might cause um, um, mental damage, which might become uh, that 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 would uh, force a coach um, to resign or be fired from his position. Especially if you're speaking about some more of the more successful coaches. I'm also um, would be dubious to think that this would happen if uh, Fitzgerald, instead of going one and eleven the year before, was eleven and one. I, I would think that the suspension would just be a suspension, even if he would have received an, a, a, a suspension, um, if the team would have gone nine to three, if they would have been to the Rose Bowl, if they would have been having, if they would have been able to knock off a Michigan State or a Penn State or one of those type of schools. If Fitzgerald, as a coach, was having the same type of success that he had when he first began, when he was when he had the program at the point where they could build some of the best facilities in the nation, I, I, I doubt if. If these allegations came to light during that time that Fitzgerald would be suspended or anything that would be happening to him in terms of anything negative, let alone being fired. Again, I, 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 I just don't understand. I don't understand these coaches. I don't understand these adults. I don't understand these ex-football coaches who have coached collegiate football than others. I, I, I don't understand where somehow, some way, they, they have a problem with this. Like somehow, some way, this is team bonding. Dry humping somebody, having somebody get naked and dry humping them, doing this type of stuff, that's team bonding. That's building brotherhood. And I, and I love when, when one of the podcasts I was listening to, I think it was CBS, and they were speaking about the Danny Cannell and others. They were speaking about this, and, and, and he said, um, you know, if the I, I can understand from someone on the outside looking in, or someone who might not have been involved in um, football or any type of sports at this level, but pertaining to football, I can understand if looking at this from the outside in, that they would find this appalling, that they would find this disgusting, that they would find this confusing, that somehow, some way, this is going to garner and this is going to grow brotherhood and togetherness and chemistry and all these type of things that you'll need to do when you go out on a football field. Let me tell you something, man. If they don't do this shit when people... If, if, if soldiers who are going to war... If they don't need to do this shit now, I don't know if soldiers do this or not. I don't know if they still do this, but if, if it doesn't need to be done by soldiers who are actually going to a war, then I don't know why this needs to be done in a football locker room. And if Canell goes, well, this is something that the folks on the outside looking in don't understand. Well, my 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 question is, if, if you're a football player and this is something that you've been dealing with or that something that you've been going through or something that's just commonplace amongst your football career, whether we started this in middle school or high school or now going on to uh, college, most of these guys, as they get older, will drop these ridiculous, um, ridiculous rituals and through maturity and growth in age and experience and other life. Um, and other life uh, experiences will just go back and take a look at that and say, yeah, it was dumb and yeah, it was ridiculous, but hey, you know, boys will be boys. But for the small number of people who cannot make that transition from the shit that you're doing now is just nonsensical and idiotic and ridiculous and inhumane, those who will not learn that lesson, what's going to happen to them? 
Because, sure, you might not be a 53-year-old supervisor at work dry-humping your employee naked every time he makes a mistake. Of course, you'll be smart enough to know that not only will you be fired, that's also a lawsuit, uh, charges and everything like that. But there's other forms of bullying, of, of psychopathy in terms of bullying that that person who learned how to be a bully, who learned these rituals while attending these schools and these football programs will bring over to their adult life. It might not be, again, the dry humping of these other type of things, but they might uh, morph into other other things which, which could be considered bullying, which could be uh, something that could be detrimental, uh, which something that could be um, uh, dangerous almost. And they could bring it to their workplace. They could bring it to their home. They could bring it to their wives. They could bring it to their children. They could bring it out to the community. They could bring it out to society. So I, 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 I don't understand, never understood, don't understand how this stuff is supposed to be. He, he, ha, ha, no big deal. Let me tell you something, man. I'm not interested in being around any naked men. Never, ever, ever. And believe me, nobody, and I mean nobody, nobody. It should be a federal law for me to be walking around a gym or any place in a locker room with my shirt off. Because I wouldn't work, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to uh, put that type of fear or that type of, uh, I wouldn't want to do that to my worst enemy. Well, yeah, I would. But 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 my, my point is is that I, I don't understand, I, I don't get, hey, this is fun. Let me dry hump somebody. I don't want to get close to a naked male. No, I don't. The farther away, I don't want to see any naked males. When I go to the gym, very rarely do I get in the shower or whatever, uh, in the locker room because I want to get in, get my stuff, and then get out because I'm not interested in hanging around naked males. Maybe that's something where you look at me kind of strange, but uh, that's just me, man. I'm not really interested in stripping down naked around other men, especially other naked men, because they're like, you know, unless you're like 15 miles away from me, then I don't want to be that. That's that's kind of like the barrier that we'll have. All right, if you're 12 miles away from me, don't be getting naked because I might somehow, some way, even 12 miles, be able to see you. But I'm just not really into being around other naked men. Now, other, I get these young cats, they just really don't care. Hey, let's strip down and see this guy naked. Not really interested in seeing anybody naked. Not really interested at all. So it's, it's just, uh, it's just interesting to me. So all of the stuff. In terms of when they did the other investigation, when they dug a little bit deeper in terms of not just the hazing incidents, but also the uh, racist um, nature and culture that was being cultivated amongst the uh, some of the players on the football team, it just led to the fact that uh, Northwestern said, "Hey, man, we had the uh, we need to uh, make a change." They dug a little bit deeper. I guess uh, did they play into uh, public sentiment when it was first announced that it was uh, that Fitzgerald. Was going to be suspended for uh, two weeks? I guess so. Was it cowardice? Lack of a backbone? I don't know. But um, it was done. It was done in terms of uh, the school president, Greg Schill, and athletic director, uh, Derek Bragg, um, after 11 current or former players confirmed that the uh, hazing incurred inside the locker room, then it was a situation where, hey, man, we got to go. We got to go. So, yeah, on Friday, Northwestern announced the investigation had found evidence largely supporting the whistleblower's claims, but they didn't find evidence that Fitzgerald or other coaches knew about the hazing activities. Investigators concluded the coach had opportunities to discover and report the hazing conduct bullshit. Pat Fitzgerald knew what was going on. 
but he was part of the, hey, boys are going to be boys culture, so we let that one slide. So I don't understand it, man. I just wanted to bring that up. I know Northwestern ain't Alabama when it comes to college football, and I know that uh, when we start talking about college football and when we get into college football and we start talking about which teams are in trouble and uh, Georgia's pending dynasty and what can Ohio State and Michigan and LSU and Alabama and Penn State, which is going to have a good team this year, and can Clemson rebound from the disappointing season that they had a year ago? Well, we'll get into all of that stuff. The first game for college football is going to be starting August 26th, so we'll have plenty of time as to record this on July 16th to get into what's going to be happening uh, with uh, USC um you know, um, you know, the Caleb Williams uh, is he going to be the two-time uh, Heisman Trophy uh, winner? Uh, whether what are his chances? Which sleeper team is uh, going to do well? What's Dion going to be doing as the uh, head coach of Colorado? Which team this season can be uh, TCU? Can do the same thing that TCU did uh, last uh, season? So all of those things that we will get into. But I just wanted to bring up this hazing incidents. Incidents of uh, Pat, Pat Fitzgerald no longer the head coach at Northwestern. And, and again, I, I just shake my head at those who just sit there and just say, I don't understand what's going on. I can't believe this is happening. I think Pat Fitzgerald got a raw deal and all this type of stuff. Hazing is hazing. Bullying is bullying. And that nonsense at Northwestern should not be going on at all, at all, at all. Something that's not happening that should not be going is uh, Damian Lillard and James Harden. Well, Damian Lillard should be going somewhere, but James Harden should not be going anywhere if he wants to win a championship. There is nowhere for him to be traded if he wants to win a championship. But Damian Lillard and James Harden, they're still with Portland and um, and uh, Philadelphia. I will tell you the wheelings and dealings of what's going on with those two are they going to be traded? When will they be traded? What leverage do they have? Which makes sense? What makes sense for both Lillard and Harden and Portland and Philadelphia moving forward? I'm going to get into those things after I get down and talk about my woman is woman on Wendell's World and Sports. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. <sighs> Bullying and hazing, huh? Can you imagine me going into a locker room of people my age, 
because um, I'm not dressing, I'm definitely not undressing around anybody under the age of 30. But I'm just saying, can you see me walking into a locker room with a grown man, pulling my pants down and saying, all right, fellas, who wants to run into me? They'd be like, yeah, that's okay. And for about 15 minutes, I thought I was legally dead and blind. So please put your clothes on, get your fat ass, and t- get the hell out of here. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wall is so glad that you could be with us. All right, Damian Lillard. And uh, James Harden, what the latest on them? As you can say that the, uh, well, you can't say that um, the NBA Summer League is starting to wind down. I think they have one more game tomorrow. I don't even know who's playing in the championship game, but um, they have one more game tomorrow. And then basically, hey man, the uh, NBA season, for the most part, in terms of watching teams play and players play and getting evaluations are going to basically be done unless you want to uh, see what some of these guys might be doing in summer league action like in the Drew League. I know that Jamal Crawford has a summer league up in Seattle where uh, players go and play. I know that in uh, D.C., I know that uh, Kevin Durant would play some pickup ball and such, but organized basketball for the most part with the NBA, with anything affiliated with the NBA, it's going to be over until training camp. So um, this is the last day of every uh, Monday. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, Monday is going to be the last day uh, for the uh, NBA Summer League. Um, the last week of Summer League, NBA Summer League, I, I really don't watch. For the most part, um, players that are really going to be making some type of impact, that they are going to have an opportunity to make an impact or even make the team, have, for the most part, shut things down. So most of the uh, first-round draft picks have stopped playing. Most of the second-year guys have stopped playing. And now it's just guys who are fringe or are looking to play or looking to uh, perform to catch the eye of another team, another NBA team, or maybe an international team, a team from uh, Europe, a team from China, so they can continue their uh, professional basketball playing careers there. But uh, as of right now, for the most part, the meat, the meatiness, the intrigue, the entertaining, the interesting, the enthralling parts of NBA Summer League, and hence the NBA season now is over. We can now start getting ready for the 20. 23-24 NBA season. So what has been the latest with James Harden and Jamal Crawford? Well, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, nothing. <laughs> Both uh, James Harden and Damian Lillard are still employed by the uh, by their teams. According to Sam Anik of The Athletic, James Harden still wants out of Philadelphia and is determined to end up with the Los Angeles Clippers, what a source told The Athletic. And that Harden's stance has not changed. He still wants to leave Philadelphia. He's still upset with how Moray handled his situation heading into possible free agency last month. And even with the recent revelation that Harden attended the same NBPA party as Joel Embiid and former Sixers owner Michael Rubin in Vegas, he's still determined to start next season in a Clippers jersey. The 76ers organization is still hoping that Harden will change his mind and stay with Philadelphia. This is what Adrian Wojnarowski said recently on the show. He said the asking price, which Philadelphia is going to be asking in terms of trading James Harden, is exorbitant. Teams are not engaging with uh, Philadelphia. Uh, the teams are not engaging the Sixers with the kind of ask that Daryl Morey is asking for James Harden. But like Ben Simmons, there's hope on the Sixers' side that eventually, at some point, they can get James Harden on board about being in Philadelphia for the last year of his deal. 
But like Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons never agreed to be on board with uh, Philadelphia. That's why he never played and was traded to uh, Brooklyn for James Harden. Uh, Wojnarowski continues, they may have a James Harden who is not enthusiastic about his return, as they are, and then maybe they get more serious about it. But right now, I think the Harden talks, like Lillard, are going to linger into the summer. Now, I understand what Philadelphia is doing. Number one, um, really, you have some time. I, I don't think that James Harden is going to change his mind. He didn't change his mind when he wanted to get out of Houston. He didn't change his mind when he wanted to get out of Brooklyn. And I don't think that he's going to change his mind um, in terms of wanting to leave Philadelphia. I believe in the fact that he still thinks that he can win an NBA championship. He's mentioned many times that the only thing left on his resume as a player is to win an NBA championship. So he's not asking to be traded anywhere. He's not asking to be traded to uh, Houston. He's not asking to be traded to Orlando. He's not asking to be traded to the Wizards. He's not asking to be traded to uh, the Timberwolves. He's not asking to be traded to one of those teams. He's asking to be traded to the Los Angeles Clippers because he believes with a healthy Kawhi Leonard, a healthy Paul George, and you put him on that team, that that's a threesome that could win an NBA championship. So for those, I believe in his thinking, He's thinking for those who think that I'm passing up the best opportunity to win a championship by saying that I want to be traded from Philadelphia. You're wrong because I can be traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. That's the destination that I want to go. And you put me on that team with the rest of the players that we have. That is going to be a winning formula or a a formula that can win an NBA championship, especially if you're speaking about um, the... um, having the Clippers trading Terrace Mann, uh, Norman Powell, and draft picks. Uh, James Harden is 33, 34 years old. Um, By the time that those draft picks for the Philadelphia 76ers, if that deal would go through to come to fruition, who knows, man? Daryl Morey might not be the GM. James Harden might not be playing. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Les Frank, Ty Lue, everyone involved right now. When people talk about Oh, man, you know, first-round draft picks in 2028, 29, and 30. These uh, players or these um, GMs who are making these decisions, I mean, they have to know that, hey, man, look, if I'm going to be trading away a first-round draft pick in the year 2028, that's five years from now. Man, there's no guarantee that I'm I'm not even going to be on in, in, in this organization in five years. You know, I got to do what I need to do to, sure, protect the organization in the long term, but also think about the chances that we have of winning a championship uh, right now. And if the Clippers can get James Harden for only Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, and future draft picks, then that's something that I think the Clippers would definitely be interested in. Again, as, as also, as I mentioned before, the Clippers are going to be moving into a new building uh, starting next season. 18,000 Street Arena, or 18,000 Seat Arena, uh, which is going to have all the bells and the whistles that's going to put the Crypto Center or the Staples Center into the, uh, into the ground in terms of the ambiance, in terms of where you want to go, in terms of where you want to be, the new hip spot in L.A. The only difference is that the hip spot will feature the Clippers and not the Lakers. So to try to narrow that gap in between uh, what people's perception is of the Lakers compared to the Clippers with Los Angeles, of course, being a Laker town, Steve Ballmer, a man who's got more money than Jesus and Mary Mother and everything else, then he's going to have to uh, do something to make L.A. the hip spot in terms of watching a Clipper game, the L.A. Clippers being the hip spot. So if he puts that arena up there, 
that shiny new building, he's going to have to give people reasons to go ahead and watch them play instead of going to crypto and watching the Lakers play. And if he can have a team that will feature James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, the way that, think, the way that we think we know how they are as players, then yeah, I can understand where the Clippers might be interested. If you're the 76ers, I laugh in your face and hang up and say, uh, come back to me when you can get another team involved, which is going to make us a little bit more uh, interested in trading James Harden. Now, I, I wouldn't play James Harden in terms of, oh, he'll come around. Oh, he'll even, even though he's not going to be traded, even though he's angry at us and he doesn't trust us and there's no trust there, the fact that he'll come in the best shape of his life to go ahead and give us the best chance to win a championship and give us the best James Harden that we've seen since he's been in Philadelphia, man, that ship has sailed. He did that last uh, season when he took that pay cut with the understanding that he was going to get paid, that this was going to be the, the, the haircut that he received in terms of his salary, that that was going to be made up for starting this season. So that trust, that bond, that belief has already been broken. So for the Philadelphia 76ers, the thing that James Harden is just going to uh, shrug his shoulders and say, oh, well, I guess I'm going to be staying with the 76ers. Let, let's devote a summer of uh, veganism and going to bed by nine every morning and running four miles a day and, and you know pushing up Volkswagens and jumping over the uh, Sears Tower. Let me go ahead and do that so I can get in the best shape of my life to be the A number one employee of the month season for the Philadelphia 76ers is uh, ludicrous. And I'm not talking about the rapper slash bad actor. That is just something that's not going to happen. So if I'm Daryl Morey, the, the, the longer this goes on, and look, Morey knows a lot more about this than I do. So I'm not trying to tell the man how to run his business, how to do his job, how to treat a player. But what I'm thinking is that the longer this waits... And we hear reports that James Harden ain't doing nothing. James Harden is still moping. James Harden comes into camp 25 pounds overweight. James Harden is going to uh, Vegas and partying every night. James Harden is home down in uh, L.A. and he's partying. Or he went over to Houston and he's partying. Or he's, he's going somewhere else and he's not taking care of business to be the best James Harden available. Wouldn't you think then that the trade value for James Harden would go down for a team like the Clippers who are wanting to get and win a NBA, get a player who can help them compete for an NBA championship or give them a much better opportunity to win a championship? If James Harden is going to come in overweight and out of shape, how long is it going to take a guy like him to be the player that teams want him to be to help compete for an NBA championship? If he's a problem child, if he's a malcontent, yeah, he did that in Houston and he got his way to be traded to uh, the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And yeah, he did that quick games and not show up and that got him traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. So there is precedent, there is evidence that even if the worst of James Harden can still facilitate a trade to a place that he can go to, or it won't affect his trade value, but I wouldn't push it. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't chance it. But then again, I'm also not going to give him away either. So I think if Harden wants to go to a team like the Los Angeles Clippers, then um, I think another team is going to have to be involved. And, and then you're you're also going to have to think, man, what's going to be happening for Philadelphia? Philadelphia, if I'm the 76ers, I need a player who can help us win a championship now. So if I'm going to be trading away a guy in James Harden who was arguably one of the top anywhere between 15 to uh 20 best players in the NBA, I'm going to need something to uh, replace that, to replenish that, whether that be one player or two. 
I need somebody. If you can't give me someone of James Harden's uh, caliber as one player, then I need somebody who can come in right now and help us contribute, or a couple of players right now who can help us contribute. He doesn't have to pull up the same numbers. He doesn't have to have the same impact of a James Harden, but I need someone who's going to help us win, and then somebody else who could be in the rotation to help us win, because I don't think Tyrese Maxey, as much as he's improved as a player to be put in a position to help Joel Embiid win, I don't think that just him and Joel as a one-two punch are going to be enough, especially if you take a look at what the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics did this offseason to strengthen their team by adding a pseudo threesome when you're speaking about Boston with Porzingis, Jalen Brown, if he resigns with the Celtics, and Jason Tatum. And with the Bucks with the resigning of Brooke Lopez, and Chris Middleton to go with Giannis and Drew Holiday. So if I'm Philadelphia, and I know that I've got the most dominant big man on the planet, and it's 1A, or depending upon what night it is, and how healthy he is, or how motivated he is, the best player on the planet, I still got him in his physical prime, and also knowing the injury history of Joel Embiid, hey man, I got to strike while the iron is hot. Because I don't know how long Joel can play at this level, not because of how, not, not, not because of his skills or his age or anything else, but because of injury. I mean, Joel is not an Iron Man. And Joel is a guy who, you know, was injured for the first part of the playoffs. So Joel has had an injury to where, has had injury history to where I can't count on tanking or rebuilding or restarting the road toward winning a championship again where it's going to be three years okay Joel we're going to have to stay, take a step back so for this year and next year we're not going to be able to compete for a championship I can't afford to do that if I'm Philadelphia because there's no guarantee that two years from now Joel Embiid is going to be the same type of impact player that can help me win a championship with him being a dominant 1A and just having Tyrese Maxey get to the point grow to the point to where he he could be that guy where he could be that Robin to Joel being Batman. And then what else are you going to fill around the 76ers to uh, help those guys out? So, look, Maxi and Embiid are not Jokic and Murray. They're not LeBron and AD. They're not uh, uh, Brown and uh, Tatum. They're just not. They're not Giannis and um, Middleton or Giannis and Holiday. They're, they're just not. They're not Durant and Devin Booker. They're, they're not. So if I'm the, in terms of winning a championship, so if I'm Philadelphia, I mean, you know, you, you want to, uh, there, there's got to be a situation where, look, I need a player who can help me and who can help me win a championship right now, who can put me on the same level as Boston, who can put me on the same level as the uh, Bucks, because those are the two guns that you're going to be, um, that you're going to need to uh, put down to uh, win a championship. In Portland, the same thing with Lillard, man. Lillard ain't going nowhere right now. He wants to go to um, he wants to go to Miami. Per Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, the Blazers have been unmotivated to engage with the Miami Heat in an attempt to find a trade that works. AJ Fentress of the Oregonian said on the Blazers Focus podcast that Miami's most recent offer to the Blazers included Tyler, Tyler Hero, three first round draft picks, and possibly a young player in filler. Fentress noted Portland hopes to come out of a deal for Lillard with four first-round draft picks and at least one or two young players. If Lillard was 26 or 28, yeah, I could see that, but 32, 33, and I don't think so. Sean Serenium of the Athletic and Stadium 
cited the Brooklyn Nets as the possible suitor, but the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, Philadelphia 76ers and Boston Celtics have also been mentioned as potential landing spots, but the Fentress said Lillard has no interest in those clubs, which is interesting because he feels that Miami can win themselves the championship. They, they can win a championship uh, being with um, um, Bam on the Bayou and Jimmy Butler, but the possibility of playing with Joel Embiid and maybe Tyrese Maxey wouldn't be um, wouldn't be intriguing or uh, attractive to him. Which I think, if you put Lillard with the Philadelphia 76ers and you can keep Embiid and Maxey, I think that gives them a better chance of winning a championship than if you put him with Man on the Bayou and Jimmy Butler with the uh, Miami Heat. So that's that's interesting for the. Uh, for Portland, man, again, it's all about, and I said this on my last podcast, I truly believe, and yes, I know I'm a prisoner of the moment with Scoot Henderson playing as well as he did, that um, he's going to be the rookie of the year after watching him only play, what, three-fourths of a game and watching Wembenyana play uh, two games and watching the uh, Thompson Twins play and watching Anthony Black play a couple of games for Orlando and, um, you know, watching those guys play, watching the uh, kid uh, George play for uh, Utah, who I think is going to be a sleeper. Um, I I still think Scoot is built to um, win that rookie of the year. I think he's going to um, be put in the position again, especially if Portland does make that trade to uh, trade Lillard, even if he doesn't. I still think Henderson is going to have uh, a serious, serious chance to uh, win rookie of the year over Wimbanyana. Wimbanyana is going to come in with more hype. Wimbanyana lows are going to be lower. His highs are going to be higher. So, you know, he'll have a bad game and people will say he's the bust of the century and then he'll have a good game and say that he's going to be better than LeBron and MJ put together. Being a little bit facetious, but I'm thinking that, you know, the attention, the national spotlight is going to be more on Wimbanyana than it will be for Scoot Henderson. It'll be, hey man, have you seen Scoot? Man, for the month of uh, February, he's averaging 21 points, shooting 45%, 32% from the uh, free throw line, and, and, and Portland is doing better than what we thought. That's going to be the afterthought. Then, what's going on with Wimbenyana? What's happening with Wimbenyana? What's going to be going on with Wimbenyana? How things are going to end for Wimbenyana? What's the uh, what's your thoughts and feelings about the first season of Wimbenyana? Even though we still have thirty something more games to go, can Wimbenyana turn it up? Can Wimbenyana improve the Spurs? What can Wimben? So all of that type of stuff is going to be focusing more. The attention is going to be more on Wimbenyana, and it's going to be, oh, and how about that? Scoot's going to have a, Scoot's having a good week or a good stretch here. But I think that uh, Scoot has a real chance to win the MV, uh, the rookie of the year. So if I'm Lillard, man, so somehow, someway, again, just like Harden with the uh, 76ers in that organization, hey, look, if you want to be traded to where you want to go, we can accommodate, we can see what we can do. But Tyler Hero and a couple of other folks, that ain't going to do it. We can try to bring in if I, you, you Houston, excuse me, Philadelphia and Portland. They got to go to these guys and say, hey, look, man, we, we just can't give you away. Yes, I know that you want to go to these places, but we ain't giving you away. So the consolation prize has to be the consolation prize. And let me tell you something. Lillard can somehow, some way get to be playing with Joel Embiid. That's a pretty good consolation prize. I know living in uh, Philadelphia might, might might not be as great as living in uh, Miami, you know, that's whoever. But uh, you know, and I, I know there's no state tax down there in Miami, so he can get a chance to keep more of his money. I understand all those type of things, but hey, man, 
Sometimes it's a situation where it's kind of like you've got to do what Kawhi Leonard did, man. Especially if you're James Harden. If you're James Harden, ball your ass off wherever you're going to be traded to, and then you'll be an unrestricted free agent. Then you can go where, then, then you might be able to go to uh, the Clippers. Then you'll have a little bit more freedom on where you can and can't go. But uh, yeah, man, so far, Lillard, Harden, still where they are. And I think it's going to be a little while before either one of those teams decide to uh, trade uh, for or decide to uh, divorce or send those players somewhere else. But I'll be watching. I'll be uh, having my ear to the uh, ground to see what happens. All right, man. I'm going to uh, I want to end the podcast. There's a lot of hate coming from my community about a very attractive and very talented young lady. It's wrong. It's ignorant. Our community needs to do better. The black community, we need to do better. Now, I might end up being wrong, but as I see things right now, as I see the hate, as I see the anger, as I see the ignorance, as I see the stupidity, come on, y'all. We have got to do better. I will tell you who that beautiful, talented young lady is after I get down and after I boogie here. Wendell's World and Sports. You can call me that. I don't wear continental clothes, stuffs and hats, but I'm a lover. <laughs> Mama was, Papa too. Last segment of the podcast, last segment of the program, Wendell's World of Sports. Call me country. Don't you be calling her that. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. I'm not gonna let you I'm not gonna let you get away with that. No. Stop hating. She ain't that. She ain't no tramp. Mm-mm. Don't you don't mm-mm. stop that. Take the, the let, let, let me let me go ahead and, and get into this because come on, y'all. At the black community again, we, we, we need to do better. We need to do better. We can do better. We must do better. Malika Andrews, the hate and the ignorance. ESPN's Malika Andrews, the hate and the ignorance. We, it needs to stop. It needs to stop. Now, let me tell you something right now. Malika Andrews, that woman is old enough to be my daughter. So, uh, yeah, she, she, she's, a, she's a very beautiful, attractive young lady. That woman should be a model. She has the looks of a model. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Very, very beautiful. But um, th- th- this hate and ignorance. So, uh, I, so... And me saying that, the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm just going to be straight out and just throw my cards on the table. I'm going to let you know right now. This, this, this has nothing in terms of the hate and the ignorance need to stop. This has nothing to do with the fact that she's beautiful and she's a, a very attractive young lady. She could be looking like uh, she could be looking like a female version of me. And I'd be like, hey, man, leave her alone. Stop with the ignorance. Stop with the hate. So y'all just stop it right now. She could be a female version of Wendell Wallace minus 10. And I'd be like, stop with the ignorance. Stop with the hate. The, the Nubian sister, even if she's half, the Nubian sister needs to, the, 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 the hatred needs to stop. Andrews joined ESPN in 2008, 2018 as a sideline, as an online writer. 
and later transitioned to sideline reporting and is now the host of the NBA Today. She took over from, um, I don't know, if did she take over? She took over from Rachel Nichols, who is another very extremely talented and uh, very attractive. I remember when she was, when Rachel Nichols was uh, CNN long time ago, and I was like, that is one attractive woman who knows what she's doing. So she'll go places too. So, um, you know, she she uh, took over. She took over from her. But uh, she's been getting some backlash. She's been getting some hate, especially from our community. Yeah, I've been reading the uh, social media stuff. I've been reading Twitter. Man, I've been reading her Instagram. <laughs> I've been reading her Instagram post, and then you take a look at the comments, and they're just bashing that young woman left and right. It, it needs to stop, man. It needs to stop. Because with the ESPN layoffs, it, it, we, we get to the, I cannot believe they fired Jeff Van Gundy. I can't believe that they fired Jalen Rose. I can't believe that they fired all these people. Somehow, someway, it must be Malika Andrews' fault. What? How? How? How is that possible? You know there's other things that go into the decision to fire somebody, right? I don't understand. Let's go fire Jeff Van Gundy. It must be Malika Andrews' fault. How did you guys come up with that? Now, I can understand the argument. Well, I can understand the, pres- the, 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 the premise of I'm not saying that they chose between Malika Andrews and Jeff Van Gundy in terms of who was going to get fired and who was not. I'm just dismayed at the fact that they're going to let someone who's so good at this job like Van Gundy go and keep someone who's so bad at their job like Malika Andrews go. So I can, I, so I, I get the correlation in, in which you say that or which you're complaining and whining about that. But there's some folks out there who are sitting there talking about, I can't believe that they let Jeff Van Gundy go because of Malika Andrews. Malika Andrews had nothing to do with Jeff Van Gundy or Jalen Rose or anybody else at that program or Keyshawn Johnson or Max Kellerman. Malika Andrews did not have any any say whatsoever on who got fired and, and who kept their uh, job. None. Because after her little tete-a-tete with Stephen A. Smith, he could, she could have done society a favor and told ESPN to get rid of that ass clown. They would have been gone. So I don't understand where the hate, the hate is coming from that somehow, someway, Malika Andrews was involved or her opinion was needed or even asked for when ESPN was laying off its employees. But, but here's the thing. People are getting on Malika. People are uh, speaking about, oh, Malika Andrews putting down the black man. Malika Andrews always dumping on the black man. Malika Andrews always ruining the black man's time of, of, of happiness and joy by trying to bring up shit and bring up nonsense from the past. Oh, that Malika Andrews. Oh, what's going to be happening when someone, when, when a black man who's an athlete is going to be doing well? What, Malika Andrews is going to go ahead and interview her, interview him and talk about some transgression that he had in the fourth grade or in high school or something like that? Oh, that Malika Andrews hating on black men, hating on black men. And that stemmed from uh, two instances. One was on draft night where um, one was on draft night where Brandon Miller, the number two pick of the Charlotte uh, Bobcats, Hornets, where Charlotte Hornets, yeah, New Orleans Pelicans, Charlotte Hornets. Okay, the Charlotte Hornets drafted Brandon Miller number two, or he was uh, in the top. He was in this discussion of uh, being one of the top draft picks. Now, um, what happened during the season? If you don't know with Brandon Miller, he was involved. Um, and I, I guess I'm hating on men. Right? I guess I'm going to be bringing down and, and hating on black men right here because, uh, you know, Brandon Miller was um, was connected to the fatal shooting on January 15th of a black woman in Tuscaloosa. 
involving his then then teammate Darius Miles. So police say that Miller, yeah, I'm hating on black guys. I'm hating on black guys, fellas. Police say that Miller delivered a gun to Miles that was used by another man to kill a 23-year-old black woman. Uh, Miller, who continued to suit up for Alabama throughout the investigation, uh, never faced charges. But when this stuff was going around, of course, it was, well, Miller was one of the guys who's going to be one of the top draft picks um, in the NBA draft, that this is going to have any impact, that this if this is going to have any effect on his draft status. So before the draft, of course, as good journalists, a good journalist would do, Malika Andrews brought that up. She was like, hey, you know, have you heard about anything? I think she asked uh, Wojnowski, have you heard anything in terms of uh, the incident that happened on July 15th and some of the things that he was going through while he was uh, at the university? of Alabama have have you heard anything in terms of him uh, of, of that incident hurting his draft status in any way and that, and that was it now if Andrews didn't would have gone into some sage steel jigaboo type of nonsense about well that black you know how these young black men are they come from these environments and they don't know any better and blah blah if she would have given her own personal touch or her own personal opinions about it well then yeah I would have had a problem I would have had a big problem if she would have gone Sage Steele and, and clowned herself or house negroed herself or cooned herself or jigabooed herself and to uh, putting down black men or disparaging black men or something like that. Somehow, some way, using what happened with Miller to cast aspersions and negativity on black men in our community. That, that I would have had a huge problem with. Then I would have put her in the category of someone like a Stacy Stacy Dash, who is just beautiful beyond words. But when she starts opening up her mouth, it's like you're the ugliest looking bitch I've ever seen in my life. Shut the fuck up. I would have put her in the Candace Owens category, as in relatively attractive young woman. Until you start talking, so I could, I want to find another woman to beat the living shit out of you on a continuous basis. If she, if, if if Malika would have gone that route, I would have put her in that type of uh, <laughs> that type of category for me. But she did not do those things. She was just bringing up the news, just like the John Morant situation, where that fool was caught again. Acting like a fool, acting like a clown, with his homeboys, waving around a gun after he told the commissioner after he got caught the first time, acting like a fool in Denver at a strip club with a gun, after he was after that dumbass was doing that type of stuff, which cost him millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And a decision was going to be the decision had not been made by Adam Silver when she had Adam Silver <clears throat> on um, on the program. And she asked him about, well, what's the situation with the John Moran? Have you made have you made a decision about John Moran? He appeared on ESPN at the Spurs were on on the night that the Spurs won the draft lottery, and so that was in May. So she asked Silver about his meeting with Morant after the Grizzlies guard was suspended for the first time for flashing a gun in the Denver nightclub. Now again, this is a situation where if she would have if she would have used that. To start speaking about disparaging black men, then yeah, then I would have had a problem. Then all the backlash that Malika Andrews is receiving right now would have been warranted, and even more. But she didn't do that. You know why? Because John Morant and the meeting that he had with the commissioner, and the punishment that the commissioner was going to be, uh, uh, that, that, that the uh, commissioner was going to have toward John Morant, that was part of the story. That is part of the NBA. 
John Morant is an important part of the NBA. So a situation like this, this is not an 11th or 12th man who's playing in who's playing for the Indiana Pacers. This is not the eighth or ninth man who's playing for the uh, who, who who's playing for the, um, the Orlando Magic. This is one of the best players. This is one of the young faces of the franchise in the NBA. It had nothing to do with him being black. It had nothing to do with Malika Andrews up here trying to shame or trying to disparage or trying to put down or try to vilify a black man. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with that's part of the news. That's part of her doing her job. It had no ill intent toward black men in there. So if she wants to clown on Kendrick Perkins when he says something stupid on the show, or if she wants to confront Stephen A. Smith when he says something stupid about Emeka Udoka and the fact that the uh, person that he had an affair with was not um, brought to light, and Malika Andrews goes back at him, good for her. That fucking loud mouth who wants to run his mouth on, on, on everything and disparage black men. Who, who has disparaged more black men with commentary over the years? Malika Andrews or Stephen A. Smith? I would kind of guess that would be Stephen A. Smith. And you fucking clowns out there who are putting down Malika Andrews by shaming black men and all this kind of stuff. Maybe you guys who do that and then champion good old Stephen A., Maybe you want to check his, his, his greatest hits in terms of his thoughts and, and feelings about black men. Now, he, he's paid to give his opinion, whether we like it or not. He's paid to catch, your, to catch our attention, whether you like it or not. Malika Andrews is just out there giving the news. So you guys can't deal with that. That's your own problem. But black men need to stop. Because black men then, when they put down Malika Andrews for that bullshit and that nonsense, then guess who joins in with the old, tired, ignorant take of, oh yeah, that ESPN, that liberal, that liberal, that woke, that bullshit, oh, you know, she's only, she's only uh, having this job because she's a woman and she's black, uh, this, that, and the other, had nothing to do with it, you know, these, you know, again, going to the other side of the tracks, going to the other side of the community, going to the communities, going to the regions of this country where you have folks who are ignorant because they're not around black folks, because they don't know what we go through on a personal basis, because they don't have the opportunity to talk to us. They don't have the opportunity to experience what we go through. They don't even see black folks unless they're going past them in a car every three or four days. You know, these folks who want to listen to uh, Fox News or these fucking idiots who thought it was uh, cool to justify their, hey, I'm not racist, let me go ahead and vote for Herschel Walker type of bullshit. Hey, what you talking about? I'm not racist, I think Tim Scott's the man. You know, those, those ignorant bastards. Those, those folks who don't know any better. You know, the, the, those are the folks who then want to chime in with the, uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that Malika Andrews, uh, the only reason why, hey, fellas, at the very least, at least admit that she's attractive. I mean, when you're sitting there talking about the only reason why she has this job is because she's a woman and she's black, could you at least throw in there also that she's attractive? Because, again, if she looked like Whoopi Goldberg, then she probably wouldn't have a job. It's her, her reason for still being hired, if you want to go the ignorant route, the stereotypical route, has more to do with the fact that she's an extremely attractive woman more than she is black. She's an attractive young, relatively young woman 
more than she is black. So if you want to uh, throw your ignorance around and your stupidity around, at least do it right. At least say ESPN, no, they only kept her around because she's young, pretty, and black. Young, pretty, woman, and black. Young, no, they kept her around because she's pretty, young, woman, black. There you go. That's that, that's the reason. So, that's all I've got. Fellas, leave brothers, leave and leave Malika Andrews alone. Leave her alone. I want to thank you so much for listening to the uh, podcast. Again, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast, download, subscribe, rate, review, enjoy. Enjoy this podcast. Looking forward to speaking with you once again. Uh, if you would, sir, get me out of here with some music. <laughs>